We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Boys in the Band podcast. I'm Peter Smith. And I'm Richard Gallagher. And this week on the show, we're joined by Charlie Waller, the lead singer of the Rumble Strips. And this band were a favourite of ours back in the day. So we take the chance to reminisce with Charlie about a few of the gigs we saw them at. And we also ask him about working with Mark Ronson on the band's second album. At the time I was living in um, Tottenham and he was playing Glastonbury. And then it was like the night before and he sort of like sent me an email and said, oh, do you want to come play Glastonbury? And I was like, uh, yeah. And then uh, they just uh, sent me a car the next day and drove me to Glastonbury. And I was there for an hour and then went and sung. And then we, and then we left again. And I was like, fucking hell, that was crazy. Because I was just like sitting in my flat, you know, just sort of twiddling my thumbs. And then suddenly it was like in front of like all those people. Yeah, it was fun, you know. What a story. Can you imagine getting that email? So that was Welcome to the Walk Alone, where Mark Ronson worked with Rumble Strips, and it followed on the heels of the debut Girls and Boys in Love. We go through those two albums with Charlie and discuss how the band evolved. Yeah, and we also ask him why the band split after that second album and why their recording session a few years later didn't materialise into a full-on comeback. And we quiz him on his latest musical project, which he's working on over in Copenhagen. Yeah, that's where he's based now. And he and his daughter Ivy even thrown a few lines from the local language for any of you Danish speakers out there. Indeed it is. Um, so yeah, here he is. Uh, enjoy the podcast. You get to sample some of the sounds of Copenhagen in the background as well. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. And for, don't forget to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook by searching for Boys in the Band Pods. And please do rate and review the podcast as well. This week on the Boys in the Band podcast, we're delighted to be joined by Charlie Waller, a lead singer of the Rumble Strips. Charlie, thanks so much for joining us today, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, how are you doing? Very good, very good. Yeah, very good. Thanks, Charlie. Great to have you on. So um, myself and Pete were big fans of the Rumbles back in the day, and we'll get on to talking about yeah, the band cool. uh, shortly. Uh, but we always kick off our podcast with a sound check. Uh, three quick questions to get started. So first of all, can you tell us where you're joining us from today? I'm in um, Copenhagen in, uh, in Denmark. Sunny Denmark. It's not yeah, easy lovely. sunny, but sunny today. Yeah, it looks lovely on, on, on video. Uh, what takes you out there? Uh, I've got a Danish daughter. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So she's going to be six in a uh, next month. She's trying. <laughs> I've told her that she's got to keep quiet. So she's jokingly holding her her hands. In her <laughs> Good stuff. Well, while you've been out there, we've uh, well, we've seen you've been streaming some live shows on your Facebook page with uh, your friend Romus. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's obviously keeping you busy. But what we want to know is what bands are you loving at the moment? So uh, you're making your own music, but what are you listening to? Um, I don't know, like new bands. I don't know really. I quite like that Viagra Boys. Do you know them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. And um, uh, I really liked Sparks' last album. They're not really a new band, but but I, th- I thought it was like as good as their like early stuff. It was so good that Hippopotamus one. I guess that's a couple of years. Yeah, but, um, yeah good stuff. Yeah. Um, and what about gigs then, Charlie? It's been a while since you've probably been to a gig, but is there a gig from the past year or so that sticks out in your memory? Uh, I, well, I went to Ross Gilder. Um, which is like the Glastonbury, the sort of Danish yeah. Glastonbury, I guess. And uh, last year, and my friend was tour managing a band, so he got he got uh, me and Romas in there, and um, he was tour managing Shane. Do you know that band, Shane? Yeah, yeah, that rings a bell. 
yeah, we watched them and I was like, fucking no, hell, I'd never heard of them. It was so good. It was like, like a, really like a kind of sweaty, you know, like a, um, lots of like uh, undersex young men kind of jumping around. <laughs> like, like I remember from when I was young. I didn't realize there's still bands like that. <laughs> Great stuff. All right, Charlie. So let's, um, let's roll the clock back a little bit. So take us back to the start of the story. How did it all begin for the Rumble Strips? Um, well, we were, all, we were all friends from school. The trumpet player's dad was like this real hippie in Devon. And he used to run, run these um, weekly uh, music workshop things, you know. And so I guess we were like, I was 12, I think, when I started doing that. And, we, and he would like teach us like Captain Beefheart songs and all this kind of stuff. But we all, I mean, I, we always wanted to play like Nirvana, you know, but he was like <laughs> trying to teach us these. And then that was kind of like a little kid's band, I guess. And then lots of bands split off from that. And we did, I had a band with the bass player and the drummer from the Rumble Strips for a while. And then Tom and Henry, who were the, the brass and the thing, had their own band. And then when we were older in London, me and Tom started up again and we just started writing songs, you know? Yeah, and then it kind of grew from that. I was going to say, because there was a couple of sliding doors moments though, I guess, Charlie, weren't it? Because you're also in Vincent, Vincent and the Villains. Yeah, that's and, right, yeah. And so you can tell us a little bit about that. That'd be great. But also there was, I was reading when Rumble Strips, just before they were signed, you were actually out of the band for a little bit. Is that right? Yeah, well, there was a real, yeah, I mean, it seemed like such a kind of like highly charged, stressful time at the time but now looking back you sort of think oh it's just like silly fucking bands isn't it so, <laughs> but uh, but at the time it was uh, felt really like crazy you know? but because like me and mark who's vincent vincent and i'm still great friends with him now you know i, I talk to him a lot but um he we had a we well we had a duo first called heartbreak snakes where we used to play um rock and roll songs in the 10 bells in east london where he worked and we, li- we were at art school together and lived together. And then uh, he had the villains. And then I joined the villains to sort of make it more like the Heartbreak Snakes. And then at the same time, I still had the Rumble Strips. And it was sort of like I was in two bands, I guess. And then uh, it all got to a head when they both started getting interest from uh, like labels and management. And so we did like a, some indie, indie releases with the, with the villains. And then... Um, and then the bass player left the villains because he said he was really annoyed with me. <laughs> <laughs> what what <laughs> has he done? <laughs> I don't know. I think he said that I was just, he said he was annoyed with me being indecisive and stuff. I don't know. And that he wanted to take it further and I, I was kind of, yeah, it's sort of hard to remember really. But I guess, yeah. And then so I left as well. And, just, and, and then I left the Rumble Strips sort of but I sort of already just left them. Uh, and then I was just like, oh, fuck it. And I was working on my uncle's building site, just doing painting and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, and then this man, and then we started doing more Rumble Strips gigs. Um, I can't remember. We did a final gig. And then someone said, I think it was maybe like Scruffy Bird Management who were interested in managing us. And then, so I just sort of thought, oh, fuck it. I'll just start doing and Transgressive wanted to put out a single, so we, so we just sort of did it. It was all so, very messy. And, and how was that with, uh, with Vincent Vincent? Was that a bit of a, a messy... He was really bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was really annoyed with me for a year. And then we, we made up 
Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Johnny Two Bands, wasn't it? Was that a song? Yeah, that's right. But actually, <laughs> like I remember, we had made up, we had made friends before that was released because that was an early song. And then he was like, I remember him saying, taking me for a drink and saying, "Look, I'm I'm really sorry, but the label wants to put out this song, but I don't I don't I don't mean anything by it." And I was, <laughs> and I, and I was like, oh, "That's fine. Don't worry." Like, you know, I was happy that he, that he was releasing stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. it's a good song. It's a good song. It's a good um, song. Yeah, and yeah. I wrote the chorus to that song. You know. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So obviously, once um, once Transgressive did sign you up, it was sort of full steam ahead from there, wasn't it? You were you were named in the BBC Top Ten Sound of 2017. You were headlining the Enemy New Music Tour. Girls and oh. Boys in Love was being used in films and in adverts. Um, but you had like quite a different sound to a lot of the other bands around at that time, thanks to the, the brass element. So um, it was really exciting times to have the Rumble Strips on the scene. Oh uh, yeah, well thanks. Yeah, it's funny what? because I sort of like meet people now and they and. And they say you're in a band, and you and they're like, "Oh, right, what band?" And, you, and I go, "The Rumble Strips," and they and they always go, "Who?" Like no <laughs> one's ever heard of the Rumble Strips. <laughs> what about um, that? What about the brass element to it, Charlie? Was that something that you uh, was always an element of the, of the music? And did you realise that that was kind of like your unique selling point at the time? Did you play on it? It was. It was literally because Tom and Henry could play brass, and so I, I always liked at the time thinking that like a band's sound should be shaped by who's in it, you know. And they could do it, so we so we thought like, why not? Why not use that? I was just going to say there, you must have felt um, at that time then, with that sort of attention that the band were getting, it, you know, a lot of momentum, and it must have been quite exciting for you guys to to be experiencing that at that time. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it was. I think it was like quite a good time for bands. There was like so many festivals, and there were so many like everywhere became a venue in mm. London, didn't it? It was like really kind of fun time. Can't, yeah, I think I was drunk for a lot of it. <laughs> Charlie, let's talk about what the band were like live at this time because we made a great discovery this week. Now, back in back around that time, myself and Rich we were at uni in Brighton, um, and I picked up a role at the local listings magazine, East Magazine, as a oh, yeah. music reviews editor. And uh, myself and Rich saw you on that enemy tour, which you just mentioned at Concord Two in Brighton, nice little venue down on the beachfront there. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Rich, well, Rich ended up writing the gig review that night for our, our listings mag, and uh, you'll be pleased oh, to know really? it, was, it was very positive. Yeah, <laughs> he mentioned your encore. I don't know. I don't know if you can recall, but um, you were playing with Blood Red Shoes, the little one, yeah, yeah, Paul Tiger yeah. Tail that night, and yeah, uh, I do remember. Yeah, there was like this uh, boys are back in town um, played oh, in the right. encore and all dying yeah. into the crowd. <laughs> it was uh, yeah, it was good atmosphere that night. Um, yeah, yeah. So you know the band live. That, it was fun yeah. that tour. Yeah, you created a really good atmosphere, didn't you, with the with the with the fans um, and uh, people who come to watch you those for those gigs. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. No. What what are your memories of those of sort of your live shows as a band? Um, yeah, I always loved touring, you know, and like I, I think that often you'd meet bands who were kind of who would say, "Oh, I'm really sick of touring," you know, and I was always like, literally, I think I'd be happy if I was still touring. I think I could just like start touring and then just and then just not come back you know i think i think like it's just so much fun like being in on the road with a group of people and um and playing every night it's just like it's brilliant and another um another great gig that i remember charlie was uh, was actually on a boat in london it was um the adventures in beetroot field on the queen mary boat down on the embankment and it was such a good oh, lineup yeah. I'd, I'd actually forgot yeah, how good the lineup that? was. So was that it was like uh, Jamie T was on that. That's right. Yeah, Jamie T, yeah, Florence and the Machine, 
uh, the lubes yeah. as well and good shoes mm, and, yourself, yeah. and yourselves of course and oh, I just yeah. good shoes are great aren't they yeah yeah, yeah, top band. Yeah, and I just remember it being like a proper crazy gig because it's this packed boat and DJs right, yeah. all in different areas. The stages were like on the floor rather than being raised up, so fans would just huddle closely around. And the you know the, the the low ceilings of the boat just meant that this insane atmosphere just kept on pulsing. And yeah, just, I do you remember yeah, that? Brilliant, brilliant yeah, set of gigs great. they put on there. And um, I mean that was the thing with that scene. There was you know so many special gigs going on with so many good bands. Um, what other sort of memories of, of you know unusual gigs or special gigs that around that time stick with you? No, there was a lot of like good ones. I remember like Glastonbury when we had five gigs in one Glastonbury. That was like one year we did like twenty five festivals, and it was just like wow. we're playing every weekend, and then some weekends like two festivals in the weekend, you know. And that was like very full on, and like I'm like I'm really bad at, at um, drugs, you know. <laughs> You know, like some people are quite good at them. <laughs> and I remember that, that glass room, we were like, oh, we're, like, we're not going to be able to stay sober. So let's just not worry about it. And so I think we went too far the other way. And by the end of it, I was just, oh, my God, I was like, I could hardly like know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I remember like the bass player coming up to me and saying, like, we're playing a gig, Charlie, like that, you know, like tapping my back. And I was like, oh, I think I'd wandered off or something. A little bit of a hazy yeah. memory, is it? Yeah, it was hazy, yeah. <laughs> and that was kind of stupid, really, because it's sort of wasted. But but it's quite fun as well. Um, Rich mentions all those sort of those great bands around at that time. Were there any in particular you enjoyed playing with and touring with, or just? Oh yeah, out I love I love loads of them. Yeah, they, like the Maccabees were great that we toured with a lot, and and um, Good Shoes, like you say, were great. Yeah, there were so many great bands. I think Mystery Jets, but right, Vincent yeah. Vincent the Villains. Of course, yeah. But obviously, the Rumble Strips, um, you know, for us certainly were. A good part of that, and you know, looking oh, cool. back on that first album, what what are your sort of memories of how it was formed, and how do you look back on it now? Uh, I couldn't listen to it for a long time, and now it like I can listen to it. I mean, I very rarely do, but like if I do, it sort of sounds okay, you know. <laughs> but I remember like being feeling like because we went to America, and it was like, you know, I remember thinking we should have probably just stayed in London and and been, you know with close to like our mates and just done it a bit more relaxed and just the thing of like going over to america although it seems really exciting and it kind of was in other ways but um yeah it was quite i don't know it's quite hard to get it get it together was that too soon for the band then that sort of no i don't think it was too soon at all yeah i think it was just um and maybe it's just hard isn't it maybe just making records is hard sometimes Mm. But I sort of feel like uh, if you can make it fun, then it's 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 uh, better. But I've never never been able to do that. What, what do you mean by that? Do you, you, do you feel feel like and you you feel like you've um, it took you a while to listen back to that first album? Does it do you you sort of quite self critical then? Is that is that what? You yeah, mean? exactly. Yeah, I really hated my singing on it, and um, felt like we there was a couple of songs that we didn't really get right. Didn't like the sound of it for a while, but now I quite like the sound of it. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I wanted more of a roomy, like um, old school sort of sound, and it was more um, not so much that. Yeah. How do you, how do you think that come about? Was that because you obviously it's a debut album? You're quite fairly young musicians, um, and later in the podcast we'll chat to you about uh, the second album with Mark Ronson producing it. But what was the sort of the issues then? Do you think around that first album not coming out quite how you'd? Yeah, it. I think maybe that's just what happens sometimes, isn't it? Because you've got you've, you've been playing those songs for quite a while, and you've got such an idea of them 
and then someone comes in and puts their take on them and that's probably the best thing that can happen but it's always going to be in your mind it's sort of like uh different to how you sort of thought you know but i think now i'm more, more open to kind of like people putting their like imprint on stuff and just kind of collaborating and that's like i find that like more fun now you know but i guess at the time i had like a real definite idea and because if it's slightly different to that you kind of feel disappointed and it's just yeah it's silly yeah interesting relationship with that first album then yeah okay charlie so part two we'll, we'll chat about uh rum strip's second album welcome to the walk alone and um, which as i said was produced by mark Ronson. so we'll come on to that in a second I'm Charlie from the Rumble Strips, and you're listening to Boys in the Band podcast. You're listening to the Boys in the Band podcast. For more naughty nostalgia, check out our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages, and make sure you hit subscribe to the podcast for more interviews like this. Welcome back to the Boys in the Band podcast, where we're joined by Charlie Waller from the Rumble Strips. Now, Charlie, we've spoken about the band's breakthrough and uh, debut, Girls and Weather. We've spoken about the band's live shows as well. So tell us about album number two and how Mark Ronson came to work on it with you. Um, we were on the same label as uh, Amy Winehouse. And at the time, they asked us to do like a remix of um, Back to Black. And uh, instead of remixing it, we just sort of played it a different way and then put her vocal on top. You know? And then... Um, Mark heard that and he was doing this electric proms gig and um, he asked if I'd come and sing that version of Back to Back because he had just done a kind of album of like versions of people's songs. So he liked the idea of someone who had done a version of his song, you know. And then so I met him through that and then we all kind of hung out with him and went on tour with him as the band. And then I would tour with him sometimes singing in um, his band, you know. Yeah, and just through that, really, it's just quite organic, I guess. And then he said he wanted to like produce maybe a couple of tracks for our next album, and then it just ended up being the whole album. And what, and what was that experience like? What was, what was he like to work with as a producer? Oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a really nice guy, and he's um, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And we went to um, New York, and uh, you hear the Danish people walking by. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, I can't speak it. <laughs> I mean, can speak it. How's your but language? yeah, no, it's, it, yeah, Mal got to, Mal got to. Yeah, I tell him Mal it done. Yeah, no, I'm terrible at Danish. You can speak Danish, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, did you hear that? Yeah. yeah. It's very impressive. yeah. I, well, I don't, I don't understand what she said, but it sounded good. No, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, yeah, no, it was good. It was really good fun. And it was like, um, that was like a quite fun period and then because then I would still kind of go and play with him and then I worked a bit on his um album uh record collection and did like a bit of writing on that great so that, I mean that must be um yeah quite an interesting experience I guess for you sort of as you say some coming from down in Devon originally and then ending up in New York working with someone like Mark on all his music I know yeah it's crazy yeah Great journey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. There was some like fun parts of that, you know. I remember like um being at the time I was living in um, Tottenham, and he was playing Glastonbury, and then it was like the night before, and he sort of like sent me an email and said, "Oh, do you want to come play Glastonbury?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah." And then uh, they just uh, sent me a car the next day and drove me to Glastonbury, and I was there for an hour, and then went and sung, 
and then we and then we left again and i was like fucking hell that was crazy because you know? i was just like sitting in my flat you know just sort of twiddling my thumbs and then suddenly it was like in front of like all those people yeah it was fun you know? yeah good times um so in terms of that second album you know so many strong songs on it you know the title track not the only person backbone them girls and they were all Sort of favorites of mine off there so oh, cool. you, know, you, you spoke about how you you, re, you viewed the first album um once it came out what, what are your reflections on the second album are you happy with the sound of that one <laughs> no i'm happy with the sound of the first album i think i was just being like a spoiled brat when i was young you know? <laughs> <laughs> i'm happy now 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 i'm older and, and more um you know accepting of my failings <laughs> but um yeah, I, I like the second album. I guess it's kind of, yeah, I think like at the time the, the record company were like, oh, it hasn't really got any singles and stuff like that. And I think it, like they wanted it to be more of a kind of big, you know, because this kind of thing with Mark Ronson and all this kind of like potential for hype and stuff, you know, and that it could be like a breakthrough. And it was never really was that. But for what it is, I quite like it, you know. It's quite sort of, uh, it's got like maybe like, over over like orchestration and stuff is quite like to the extreme you know but i guess we were thinking if you're going to do something you may as well go like full hog you know yeah go big or go home yeah that's it yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but that was the that was the the last we heard from the band for for a little while after that second album so so what happened and uh, following that release well we got dropped by um ireland and then uh, and then my marriage broke up as well, you know. And then um, I was like, oh, I'm going to go on holiday. So I went to um, Cuba for about five months and then came back. And then, um, and then I, I remember meeting up with uh, Tom and Henry and I was like, oh, it's quite nice not being in a band, isn't it? And they were like, yeah, it's quite nice. <laughs> so we just left, so we just stopped doing it. <laughs> it was really like the most un- undramatic thing. You know, it's like okay, yeah, let's just leave it then. Should we? Yeah, okay. Because I guess we'd been in bands. We'd been in bands since we were like twelve, you know, and it'd been like so, like full on, all through my teenage years and all through my twenties. And then at that time, I guess I was twenty nine, and it's just like, oh, let's just like not worry about it for a bit. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we so we did. I was just going to say, did you feel during that making of that second album that that might be the last one you do, at least for a little while? No, not really. I remember feeling it was like quite hard to write. But then, um, but then afterwards we started to get, get other songs together that I was thinking, oh, maybe we could do a better album. I did think like we had a better album in us, like quite soon after that one. So I don't know why we stopped really, it was stupid. Because <laughs> you got band back together in 2015, didn't you? And gave us the Lightship recordings um, the yeah, following yeah. year. Yes, yeah, so tell us about that, about how you decided to get back together and um, perhaps why it didn't materialise into a full-on comeback at that point. Well, um, so I was in Denmark because I just had uh, a kid, you know? Yeah. And I guess because I was wondering, like, I was sort of with her a lot. I was just sort of like started to write songs again, I guess, because I just wasn't like, I was just wandering around with a kid, you know? And then I, so I, so I didn't really know what to do then. So I sent them to the, to the rumble strips just out of like habit, you know? And then, um, Henry started sending me some bits of music. And then we had this kind of like quite cool. He was in Australia, the, the piano player and trumpet player. 
and we had this quite nice little thing for a while where he'd like send me a, a track and then I'd just put a vocal on it. And there's some of them were just like these most ludicrous like comedy songs that you could never like do anything with, but it, because it was so like playful, like sometimes some quite good stuff came out of it, you know. And then um, we were like, let's find a point where we can all be in, in the same place and just record them all. So we did. And we just like, um, just before, I can't remember when it was, one summer, I think it was, um, I went to London and two of them were in London and then one was in Devon and one was in Australia. And we just got together and rehearsed them and recorded them. And it was just really quick. And then that was it. Yeah. And then, and then you put them out and um, you even did a, a, a big a big show as well, didn't you? The Lexington yeah, we that did, year? Yeah, we did a one-off gig because that Christmas, Henry was also like back in England. So we, we thought we'd use the chance to do a, um, do a gig. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun. And so was there, was, so was there any discussion at that point about, you know, going back, you know, full on or, or was it just a, did it, was it always going to be a, really a, a little bit? It was possibility because it was like, because Henry lived in Australia. Yeah. And I lived in, Denmark and Tom had two kids in Devon and it was just like and so it was almost kind of like there was something like it was a lot of fun but it was kind of like uh you know like sleeping with an ex-girlfriend sort of out of your league you know <laughs> when you kind of like it's really nice to do it but then there's always the thing in your mind of like oh this is just just for tonight yeah is it better <laughs> is it is it better to like is it better sort of to, to do it or to sort of like not do it. It's, it's, you know, I guess you can argue both ways. But I think earlier. it's better to do it. I think it's better to do it. Always sleep with a pretty ex-girlfriend. That's why I <laughs> Good advice there. Um, so obviously we mentioned your Facebook um, streams at the, at the top of the podcast. So what are, um, what are you doing at the moment musically? Yeah, well, I met this guy in um, uh, Denmark called Romas and he's from Lithuania. And he's like a, a young, young, young buck, you know, he's a really good singer. And uh, so we started singing together and um, doing lot, like doo-wop songs, you know, so sort of similar to me and Mark used to do back in, in, the, in the early 2000s. And uh, yeah, it was just a lot of fun, you know, and then we started writing songs and uh, doing gigs and uh, playing in bars and all this kind of stuff. And then obviously all those gigs stopped from the um i don't know if you heard of this like um thing that's been happening like there's some sort of uh illness going around you know yeah, yeah. yeah. So, something about that in the news yeah <laughs> so the gigs gigs got stopped so we thought oh let's just do a like a live gigs which seemed like a lot of people were doing and we and, and then it was just quite good fun you know so we just sort of kept it a weekly thing and then, uh, and it's always in a different place because we trying to track down internet or when I've got my daughter or stuff like that, you know. But uh, yeah, so we just kind of do it once a week and, and play songs and stuff. some covers and some originals, you know. Yeah, yeah. very cool. So what, what are the plans for that beyond lockdown? I know you came over and you played Clerkenwell Festival. You, you're hoping to do That's more right. gig, yeah, gig, was... gigs over here and record maybe? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to do some more gigs. And um, yeah, I think we've got enough for an album now. So I guess we'll try and do that. Good. We'll keep our eyes peeled. 
Yeah. Charlie, <laughs> Charlie, it's been good to sort of reminiscing about Rumble Strips for you. Before we let you go, we've got just three more quick fire questions for you in our encore. And you mentioned yeah. it there, Cuba. So we've got the first question's got to be Copenhagen or Cuba? If we Cuba, had here, 100, yeah, 100. Cuba. <laughs> oh my goodness, no contest. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd put Cuba over everything. I, 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 part of me is really annoyed that I ever came back from there, really. <laughs> what's, what's it like out there for those who haven't been? I mean, it's probably different now, but at the time it was like, um, it, yeah, it was so I think all the time it's because I met a girl, you know, and the things were always coloured by that. Aren't they? But um, we, we, um, it was just a really nice time. It was very simple. There wasn't much choice, which I quite liked. And uh, yeah, great music. Met these like old dudes who were playing songs. I just remember like this great like day we just like drink rum like it was wine, you know, and then just like um, pass the guitars backwards and forwards and they'd play a song and I'd play a song and it was just like this, like idyllic moment that you thought like didn't really happen, you know, that you thought like, oh, this is like such a cliche of, of what you imagine it would be like in Cuba. But it was sort of so good. But, uh, you know, obviously there's had its problems as well, you know, there's lots of military police everywhere. Well, uh, Copenhagen is certainly looking and sounding pretty idyllic today as well, Charlie. So you've done all right there, all right. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, so second question in the encore we, we've spoken about a number of your gigs already but can you pick out the best gig the Rumbles ever did hmm I don't know the best oh, what did we do I can't remember. oh no yeah actually Spain was always really great like we always did well in Spain for some reason and oh, the right. last tour we did was in Spain and I remember like the last gig of the last tour was, was really um, great where was that that was in Santander or something like that. Big yeah, in Spain. that was really good. No, we weren't big in Spain. It was just like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and third question, Charlie. Uh, this is a tricky one. The song you're proudest of uh, from the Rumble Strips collection, what would that be? Mm. Oh, right. Uh, I don't know, like, proudest of, proudest of. I think I've got, like, favourites maybe for, like, sentimental reasons. Mm. Uh, I like Cowboy off the first album because it was the only one that like um, my ex-wife liked so it sort of reminds me of her you know? and it was sort of about her as well but she didn't really like the band that much <laughs> but oh. she liked <laughs> she liked that song and also on the second album for the same reason uh, um, Running On Empty she really liked that and it's funny because um, no one else really liked it but she liked it <laughs> and uh, that sort of was her kind of character I guess good stuff Charlie it's been a pleasure to chat to you today mate it's been good fun reminiscing about the rumble strips and yeah uh, yeah thanks a lot yeah, thanks very much Charlie it's been really good to hear, hear your story <laughs> <laughs>